All right, man, that was so powerful. I don't know what, um, you know, happens to you when you're in worship, but that last song just like, you know, um, anytime we sing that song, um, to me, it's, uh, I'm praying about my kids, you know, I'm praying about um, their, uh, their future husbands and, and wives. I'm praying um, that God will, that their faith will be real. Uh, I'm praying that, um, that God will lead them and guide them, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of my grandkids and so forth. You know, as a, as a dad, for me, um, you know, our kids, uh, 18, 16, and 13, so they're kind of transitioning, right? Uh, Andrew just graduated from uh, high school, and uh, Katie's driving, and so... You know, Natalie has another five years of like one more in middle school and then another one in high school. And so um, you have a lot of control as a parent when your kids are young. But once they get to this stage, it feels like, man, you got to release some of the control. And so for me, that song is a prayer um, and just saying, Lord, you take over their lives. You take control. And uh, God, I just want the best for, for them. And then that word at the end, or it says it throughout the song, amen. Do you know what the word amen actually means? The word amen means let it be so. So it's a prayer. And, um, and so every time that we sing that song, I ask my youngest daughter, Natalie, hey, you remember what the word amen mean, means? And she's like, oh, let me, one second, let me think about it. I'm a, I got it. I'm almost there, you know. And then and I remind her, it means let it be so. And so hopefully that'll mean something to you. Just a, That's a freebie, okay? No, that's like no charge for that one, okay? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, I want all of you guys, um, uh, whether you brought your phones, tablets, Bibles, um, whatever you have, I want you to follow along. Ephesians chapter 5, um, I want to welcome you to week 7, week 7 in a series that we're doing called Blueprint. And uh, this series is based on the book of Ephesians and if you're just stepping in for the first time, I want to welcome you. My name is Alex, one of the pastors here at the church, and I'm really looking forward to getting into God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're at, verse 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, I like that translation. It's easy to understand for me. Uh, so it says this, Ephesians 5, verse 1. It says this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. We'll talk about that phrase, dear children, in a, in a moment, but that's really important. Live a life filled with love. So this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's writing this from prison, okay? And so he said a lot, you know, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and so he's almost kind of coming to the end of, of this letter that he's writing to the, the people at Ephesus. And he says this. It, it almost sounds like it's like the, one of the last few things he, sa he should be saying, right? But he goes on a little bit longer. But he says, live a life filled with love. Like it, nothing else matters. It's almost like, like, this is, like there's nothing more important than this. And that's my interpretation, okay? That's kind of the, the feel that I get when I'm reading this. Following the example of Christ, because he, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let's pray. 
God, I pray that for the next few minutes you would um, help me not mess this thing up, God. I just, I want to deliver your word to the best of my ability, but I pray that your spirit would be the one to penetrate our minds and hearts. Lord, I don't know what people are going through. I don't know the difficulties of life that everybody's is enduring right now but i pray god that in a supernatural in a very real tangible way you would um, give us a message that will resonate give us a message that that will mean something that will like with that we'll be able to apply to our lives god god i thank you for these words that we're reading lord i don't think that it's just uh, when I look at the Bible, I don't see it just as a history book. I don't see it as a, just an all archaic kind of book. I see it as your, your word that's alive, that's living and active. And so, God, I pray that your word today would do its work in our lives like only you can. And I, um, we dedicate the next 24, 25 minutes to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so that's a big challenge. Verse 1. Man, that's a... Like Paul, like flippantly, I feel like, says, imitate God. And I read that and I thought, oh yeah, right. You know, like, okay, if it was that easy, right? If life was just like, yeah, imitate God. Like, you know, how do you do that? How do you imitate Christ? How do you follow his example? Well, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, how that can actually happen in your everyday life. The, t- the title of the message today is Three Ways that I can be like God in my everyday life. And I don't know how it feels for you, but for me, I often feel defeated. I'll feel, I'll, I often feel like I'm behind the, the tr- like I'm, I'm behind. I'm not like, I'm not even keeping up. And so here Paul says, imitate God, follow Jesus. Like it's a, like it's a simple thing. And so if, in, if I had to summarize the whole message in one word, the word that I would use is the word purity. Purity. Say that word with me. Say the word purity. Ready? One, two, three. Purity. Now, the enemy, we all have an enemy. The enemy gives this word purity a whole lot of bad press. Okay? Like you hear the word, it may sound boring. It may sound dull. It may sound a little tedious and repetitive. Um, We're doing a series at the end of September. I think it's September 25th. Starting a series called Asking for a Friend. Is the name of the series. Um, like, have, I don't know if this happens to you, but like somebody comes and asks you a question. It's like, hey, I'm just asking for a friend. And it's a kind of a difficult question to ask. You know, you're kind of a little bit embarrassed. And so you just say, hey, I have a friend that's dealing with this. Just asking for a friend. Um, what, what do you think the Bible says? Not, not for me, but it's just for a friend. So that's coming up. And one of the questions that was brought to my attention was, why can't I live my life like, just without God, you know, and then, then get to the end of my life and ask for forgiveness and receive Jesus and then die and then be all good, right? And that's one way that you could live your life. Um, and so when I think of this word purity, maybe that's a question for young people that it's like, yeah, why can't I just do my own thing, have a little fun? And then towards like when I get into my, you know, 70s, maybe 80s, and I'll, I'll kind of get close to God and I'll just do things, you know? And so this word purity, purity, it sounds like it's, it's not, you know, the enemy has given a lot of bad press to this word. But here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to think of. When you think of the, the word purity, 
I want you to think of something that we all need, something that's pure, something that's, that we, that's necessary for life. Okay, think of it like this way. Um, have you ever gotten into a pool and the water's like, man, it's beautiful, it's perfect temperature, blue, like crystal clear, you know, water, and it's just you get it, and I mean, maybe you've been mowing or you've been doing some, you know, some work outside and you're hot and you get in and it's just like, Ah, it's exactly what I needed. Maybe you worked inside all week long and then you get in the pool and it's just like, yes, this is amazing, you know? I mean, who does not enjoy a nice pool like that? Now, the flip side of that, have you ever, have you ever seen a green pool? Have you ever gotten in a pool, like the water's been stagnant for a couple of months, a couple of weeks? So we got, we bought the kids and, and I, like we, um, the family, I should say. <laughs> uh, that's a, there's something there you, you'll, never mind. But anyway, have you ever, have you ever, um, have you ever gotten into, like, so we got, we got the, the, the family, I'm not going to say the kids, we're going to say the family, this above ground pool, I don't know, I think it was like two, three years ago, and every summer, every single summer, at least once, we have not kept up with it, and it's gotten green, okay? One time, I think we were out of town. Another time, um, electricity went out and flipped the switch, the breaker, and, and so the pump was not running. Well, I can tell you this. Whenever we have a green pool, none of us are getting into that thing, okay? And so when you think of this word purity, I don't want you to think of something like that's like, like oh, no, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I want you to think of going to the top of a mountain and breathing fresh air that's like, man, you can fill up your lungs with this air versus going to like any major metropolitan area where there's tons of traffic and, you know, uh, vehicles and buses driving around and you can barely breathe. So when you think of purity... I want you to think of something that we all need for our lives today. Now, I don't want you to think of a holier-than-thou morality. Because often preachers, we turn it into this holier-than-thou rules and regulations. Not, not what I'm talking about today at all. Not what Paul is talking about at all. And so, if you look in verse 2, look down in your, in your Bibles. It's not on the screen, but we read it a second ago. He says, live a life filled with love following the example of Christ so he's saying the same thing he said in verse 1 imitate God follow the example of Christ I don't know that anybody in this world whether you're a believer or not you don't even have to be a religious person in fact I've heard people that are atheists who have said like that's not bad advice follow the example of Christ and so how do you do that? That's kind of the, the point of the message today. How am I going to imitate God? Well, I want to begin by, with an example of how imitation works, okay? How imitation happens, how, um, and how powerful it can be uh, in our learning experience. Did you know that imitation can be a powerful thing as you learn, as you grow up, and you're, and you're developing as a, as a kid? So here's the, the example that I want to give you. Let's just say that you were born in Germany, okay? So just picture this with me for a moment. You were born in Germany to uh, a 12-generation German parents, okay? So that means that your parents are Germans, your grandparents are from Germany, your great-grandparents, and so forth, right? Like, they've been there, you know, for generations, okay? And the moment that you're born, you are adopted, 
and you're taken away from Germany, you're adopted by these set of parents, and you're taken to, let's just say, a totally different culture, totally, let's just say, somewhere in South America, okay, for, um, just, let's just say Colombia, okay, just picking any country. And you, you know, from the moment that you're just a little baby, you grow up in Colombia, right? Now, your, your, the way you look, your appearance, your resemblance, is still from Germany, right? Like nobody can change that. And people look at you and they can say, yeah, you're, you look like you're from, like you're of German nationality. But as you grow up, what do you do? You pick up the, the culture and the, 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 the language, you know, the, the national, the, the native language, right? In this case, it would be Spanish. How do kids do that? And the younger you are, the faster it happens. And I can tell you, I moved to the United States when I was 15. My sister was seven. She picked it up way faster than me. How does a kid pick up the language and the culture so quickly? What do they do? They're imitating. They're, they, don't, they don't get embarrassed. They imitate everybody. And often, uh, if you have teenagers, you know, or if you've had teenagers, you know this. Sometimes at that age, they, um, they're, they're speaking a little bit different than you are because they're not imitating you anymore. They're imitating their friends. So they're hanging out with their friends eight you know, hours a, a, a day. Um, and so they're hanging out with, with, with the people you know, that are closest to them. They're just imitating them. Okay, Whoever's closest to them, whoever they're hanging out with, they're just, picking, they're just rubbing off of each other. Now take that to a spiritual level. How do you get close to God? How do you imitate God? Well, you got to spend time with him. You got to get close to him. And I applaud you for being here. Man, you got up today. You got ready. You drove yourself to church. You're following online the same thing. You took the time to turn on the TV, to get things, to put the ear pod or whatever. Like, like in, you know, like you're taking the time to spend half an hour, an hour with the Lord. And so imitating God is a little bit like that. In this chapter, there are three characteristics that God's going to give us, okay? That the Bible is going to give us about God. Three qualities that are obvious. They'll jump out of the page when you see them, okay? And my challenge to you is that you would take on, that you would imitate these three characteristics. So the first one is this. God is love, so look in verse 1, look in verse 1, it says, imitate God in everything you do because you are his, and my translation says, dear children. Other translations may say beloved. That word, dear, imitate God in everything you do because you, if you're a Jesus follower, God is saying, you are his dear children. Do you know what that word, dear, is? It's the word agape. It's the word in, in the English language is the word for love. In the Greek is the highest form of love. In other words, God is saying, you're not just somebody that I love. No, no, no. You are my favorite. Like you're the best of the best. Like nobody gets even remotely as close as you. You are my dear child. And so how does that relate to us? Well, if I'm going to love other people, if I'm going to show God's kindness to other people, that I have to have a solid foundation. I have to have a secure foundation that God, that I am loved by God. So 
that's where the, that's where the, the found, that's where the ultimate source comes from. Like the strength for me to love on other people, it doesn't come from me. It could, and sometimes it does, right? But ultimately, to show the greatest form of love to other people, the source is him. That's where it comes from. And, and so if I'm going to love my kids when they're not behaving, when they mess up, if I'm going to love my spouse when, when, when she screws up or when he screws up, if I'm going to love the way, like the people in my life group, if I'm going to love the people that I work with, the way that God loves me, the foundation for that is that I am loved by God no matter what. Does that make sense? You are his agape children. You are highest form of love. You are his dear children. Now, often what we do is we love people, and I do it, you do it, and we expect some things back, right? You love someone, you're kind to them, you, whatever you do, and inside of us, there's always a little, you know, I wish they would kind of come back to, you know, like, it would, like if, I'm, if I love you, I, like I, I want to get some of that love myself, right? And we don't say it. It's not, I don't think it's a selfish thing, but I think it's, it happens. The truest, greatest form of love is when it's not conditional. And in, for that to happen, your foundation has got to be strong. And you've got to know, you know what? I am loved by God no matter what what happens in my life. Let me show you, let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans 5, verse 8. So this tells us how God's love is a little bit different than our loves often because he says, it says, but God proves, and other translations use the word demonstrate. It's how he proves, he's how he demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ, what? He died for us. No strings attached. No, no, hey, you do this, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. That word proves right there in the Greek is the word to establish. It has the idea of laying down the proper foundation. In our, uh, in our neighborhood, we've had issue, issues with our, our roads for years. Three years ago, we had to pay a bunch of money to fix them. And what they did, instead of actually doing the job the right way they just they just put a layer about three inches of asphalt on on our roads it didn't take but like a year if if that for the roads to be all messed up again they did not establish the right foundation now we're gonna have to do it again we're gonna have to pay probably like 10 times what we paid before but they're doing it the right way. We're going to remove the asphalt. We're going to work on the base. And we're going to make sure that this, the foundation is there. So let me ask you, how is your foundation? Because when you love people, if you do it the way that God wants you to do it, you cannot, there cannot be any strings attached. In your marriage, with your kids, with the people that show up in your life group. Like we, you know, we say no perfect people allowed, right? They kind of, like, like. You know, like nobody's perfect. So when you love people, how are you doing it? Is your foundation strong? Is it in Christ? Jesus puts it like this. John 15, verse 9. I love this. He says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. So it's the end of 
his time here on earth, and he looks at his disciples and says, hey, you want to know something? I have loved you the way the Father has loved me. And then he says, remain in my love. Okay, how do you remain in his love? He says that a couple of verses down. John 15, 9, uh, 12, excuse me. He says, you remain in my love by loving each other the way that I've loved you. And then he puts skin in the game in verse 13. Let's put it on the screen. He says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So how good are you at loving others? Because this is one of the hardest things I love. Like most of the songs we sang today were about God's love. One of the hardest things that we love entails a number of things. Love is about being patient, long-suffering, the Bible calls it. Love is about being able to listen and not yell. Love is about, you know, uh, trying to sympathize with people and kind of like you want to put yourself in their shoes. Maybe you're not going through anything that you've gone through. Maybe Maybe you can't even relate, but can you at least try and attempt to sympathize, empathize, I guess is a word, better word, with that other human being. They're, they're hurting, they're upset. Yeah, maybe it's nothing to you, but it's the world to them. And so the first characteristic that we see is God is holy. And his love is what I call love without limits, unconditional. Here's the second thing that we can do to imitate him. Um, second characteristic is this, God is holy. God is holy. So the whole chapter, Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us like one list after the next. And these are things that would ne- you would never see in the character of God. So I'll give you kind of a, a few examples. If you read, we'll read a couple of the verses, but I encourage you, read it on your own. You're going to get so much out of it. But right off the bat, I think verse 3 or 4, he says, um, avoid sexual immorality. And, it's a, it's, and he says it in a way that it's almost like it's a checklist, okay? Now, when you talk about sexual immorality um, for... In the culture that we live, this is probably one of the hardest things, especially if you're a young person, because we live in a sex-saturated world. The same phone that I can turn on and use to read my YouVersion app, to read God's Word, is the same phone that will send me pictures of half-naked girls to my feed, on social media I have been on my phone on Instagram and I have and I don't know if it's the search or the home and I'm not against social media by the way like I'm on like all the platforms Instagram TikTok I mean you name them like you know Facebook I'm on all of them so I'm not I want you to feel like I'm judging here okay but the same I've been on the phone looking at an app and then there's a preacher and there's a picture of a girl in a bikini And so we live in a world where it's everywhere. And Paul says, man, run from it. The same device that you're using to watch this message is the same device that you can use to watch any pornographic material like this. And so he says, run from it. That's number one. Holiness. You want to be holy? You want to be like God? Sexual immorality. He says, run from it. Here's the second one. He mentions greed. And he goes after them, like one after the next. Um, so it's like boom, 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 boom. Just kind of pinpointing three of them. He says greed. What's greed? Greed is the opposite of faith. 
Greed says, I need more. I want more. I got to have more, you know, to trust that what I'm doing is okay. And if I don't have that, then I don't know if that, it's like greed is, is, is my security. It's what makes me feel like, oh, I'm okay. And it's intoxicating, right? Because the more you have, usually the more you want. It's a vicious cycle, you know? Like when you make X amount, you want more, you want more, you want more. If you get there, what do you want? You want more. And so it's intoxicating. And so Paul says, regardless of what you have, make sure you watch this, this little word, greed. Make sure it doesn't become your security. Greed says, I'm going to trust what I have. It doesn't say I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust that God's going to supply my every need. And then the last one he mentions is filthy language. Now, I mentioned this two weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into it too much. But he goes one after the next. Boom, boom, boom. And I hope that you know my heart. Most of you know me by now. I'm not trying to be like legalistic. I'm not trying to, you know, be holier than thou. But this is the instruction that God gives us in his word. It's very clear. Read it on your own. It's convicting in many ways. Uh, let me show you a couple of verses. We've got to move on. Verse 3, he says, uh, Let there be no sexual immorality. No, it's impurity, right? It's the word that we're talking about today. Okay, this whole message is about purity. Um, or greed among you. That has to do with purity as well. Such sins have no place among God's people. Verse 6. This is convicting. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Well, I'm a man. This is what I do, you know? It's okay to look a little bit. You know, like this. God made me like this. Okay? He says, don't, don't go down that path. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins. For, their, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Verse 7, don't participate in the things these people do. So what happens if you, man, you mess up? Well, God's given us a way out, right? You screw up, man, I've been greedy. Well, it's, this is why we do church, right? You can readjust. You can confess. God, I agree. Man, my heart has been off. You can confess. That's what, what I, or repent, excuse me. So confession is saying, Lord, I agree with what your word is saying. So I'm like, okay, I agree. Like, my knowledge is lined up with your knowledge. That's, that's confession, okay? Repentance is saying, God, I'm going to change. I'm going to do my best to kind of go in a different direction. With your strength, with your help, Lord, help me not be a greedy person. Help me not use you know, my language. And I mean, it just gets in the way. You know, like I, I can hurt people so quickly. And I just, it's just like a sword. I can just, you know, one or two words and I can cut and it cuts deep. And so, pastor, what do I do if I messed up in one of these areas? Well, own it. That's the beauty of Christianity. It's the beauty of our faith. You know, it's not the end of the world. You can, you can get back on track. Now, side note, real quick, and we're going to wrap up here in a minute. In case you have missed a couple of the last weeks, the beginning of Ephesians, Paul spends a lot of time telling us, um, it's all good, it's all good. Uh, Paul spends a lot of time 
Beginning of Ephesians, Paul spends a lot of time telling us who we are in Christ, okay? So I think the first week I had Roy and Mike, I had them sit up here, and I defined the word saint. Basically, what the word saint means is you've been chosen, you've been separated for a special purpose, that's what God calls us. If you're a Jesus follower, he says, you are a saint. That's what the beginning of, beginning chapters, beginning verses of Ephesians. You're special. You're chosen. Um, you know, you, you've been set apart for special purpose. The later chapters, God's going to tell us what we do in Christ. So at the very beginning, he tells us who we are. And then at the end, he's like, okay, let me give you the practical stuff. And he mentions Filthy language, greed, sexual morality, and there's a couple more in, in the chapter that I, I don't have time to go over. But it's, it's kind of like this. Even if you got a little bit of mud on you last week, let me kind of exaggerate just for, for, sake, of, um, for the sake of the illustration. Let's just say that you didn't just get a little bit of mud on you, like you jumped right into the mud puddle, okay? And you screwed up royally. Even if you have done that, the truth of the matter is that under all of that mud, you're still the shining, dearly loved son and daughter of God. Does that make sense? And so your job and my job is to own our junk and say, God, I'm sorry. God, you know my heart. I blew it once again. Would you cleanse me? Would you just hose me down? And some of you need to do that today. Some of you need to come down to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I'm going to lay, I'm going to surrender because this is, this is not, this is not the way that you, it's not, not honoring you, not honoring my spouse, not honoring my kids, my coat, not honoring anything. Now, Satan will tell you the other, the opposite, right? He'll say, oh, you can't, why are you here? Look at you. Look at what happened to you, you know? Like, you're such a fake. Let me tell you a secret. We're all fakes. Welcome to the church of all fakes. Yeah, you know, if you feel like you're a hypocrite, welcome. We're all, to some degree, we're all hypocrites. Isn't that the truth? Like, I can tell you, like, there's nobody here that's without sin. We've all messed up. We've all screwed up. And so God says, you can own it. You can let me cleanse you. You can repent, confess, and then you will be holy. Not because of what you do. Not because you bring anything to the table, but because of the work of the cross, what I've done for you. Let's, let's read um, a couple more verses and we'll be done. I'm way over. Okay, so Proverbs 24, 16, one of my favorite verses. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The godly will trip seven times, but they will get up again. All right, let's do a quick review. Number one, God is love. Number two, God is holy. Number three, God is light. God is light. Ephesians 5, 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For the light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. So number three, God is light. What does light do? Light exposes if I could get away to have the media team, and we're not doing it, but to turn all the lights off right now, it would be really hard to see the stains on the carpet. 
So, so uh, light is kind of like freedom. It, it, um, it affects everything. Uh, each day when the sun rises, it does a number of things. It warms up the earth. It illuminates. It uh, provides growth. That's what God's light does in your life. The moon and the stars, they light up the night. They used to be served as uh, navigators before GPS and all of that. The same way it is with God's light. You walk into a dark room, what's the first thing that you do? You go find that light switch. And so when you allow God's light to penetrate, to shine on your heart, on those little cracks that we have, where we harbor sin, what, what, what happens to you? You grow. You become a better human being. Physical light is necessary for physical life. Physical light is necessary for physical life. Spiritual light is necessary for spiritual life. But there's a challenge that we all face. It's like the guy that um, flies into Dallas-Fort Worth and he grabs, um, he grabs an, an Uber. He needs to go downtown. And so the Uber driver's kind of driving a little crazy. He's on his way to downtown and here comes a red light and he <laughs> runs through that red light. And the passenger, he goes, he goes, hey man, that was a red light. You know, like, what, are you crazy? And it's like, oh yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. My brother, my brother does it all the time. He runs red lights all the time. And uh, he keeps driving on his way downtown. Here comes another light and it turns red. And the driver just runs through it one more time. And the, the, the passenger's like, Hey, buddy, look, listen, man, you're going to get us killed. That was a red light. What are you doing? You're supposed to stop at those. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. My brother, he does it all the time. And then, like, he's getting upset, right? The passenger's getting a little bit upset. And then he comes another light, but this time it's, it's a green light. And the Uber driver er, stops. It's like, hey, it's green. You're supposed to go through those. It's like, like you stop on the reds, you go on the green. What's the, what's the deal with you? And uh, the, the Uber driver goes, yeah, yeah, I know it's green, but I never know when my brother may be coming through. I tell you, tell you that, just say this. We, we live in a little bit of a crazy world where people seem to be stopping on greens and going through the reds. I, I would even dare say that uh, even Christians today, even Christianity is, I don't know if it's that I'm getting old or what, but some of the things that we are allowing to bring into our homes and, and the things that we're allowing in society, to me it's like maybe I'm just getting old, I don't know. It seems like you should be stopping on that one. It seems like you should be going on that one. And so Paul makes a plea. Last verse, we're done. He makes his plea and he says, So carefully, carefully determine 
what pleases the Lord. In other words, don't let your light go out. Your light is what God gives you as a source of influence. So you can make a difference in other people's lives. He says, don't let your light go out. And the truth is that I've seen people's light go out, man. Like, I don't know why, but it's like the light in their eyes just goes out. The, the light in their minds, it just goes out. And they give up on life and they make decisions and it doesn't make sense. And sometimes they're, they're, they're harming themselves. And then you, you, you try to you know, reason with them, but it's no, it's, they're checking out. And God says, don't let their light, the light that you have, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, don't let it go out. It's what you have to make a difference. It's how your life counts. You're short dash. It's all you have. And so, man, I'm way over. I'll close with this. So you say, how do we imitate God? You guys like tea? Anybody likes tea? My wife loves tea. You know what it means to steep a bag of tea? I don't like tea, so I don't know much about this, but I see her do it enough to where I know. What do you do? You grab the tea bag and you soak it into hot water, right? But you can't just, you can't just do it like quickly. You can't just go boom, I'm done. And then expect the water to have the flavor, right? No, you gotta, you gotta, it takes time. You gotta soak it in. You have to make sure that the water just totally like gets into that, that tea and it extracts the flavor and you let it, let it work in the same way as in your, in your walk with the Lord. You gotta spend time in order to imitate him. And I applaud you for being here. I know I'm preaching to the choir. But don't, don't just do it on Sundays, right? Spend some time with the Lord. You know, we went to uh, Yosemite uh, beginning of the summer. Beautiful place, probably one of the most beautiful places in, in the world. But one of what made us so special is that we were there and we were like doing the hikes next to the waterfalls. Like we were in Yosemite. You know, you talk about speed reading. I, I don't have anything against speed reading. You know, I think it's a beautiful talent. Some people can do it, so you can develop it. It's an amazing gift, amazing talent. You should never speed through God's Word. It's like getting on a jet and flying over Yosemite. You're going to miss a lot of the details. So what are we doing here Sunday morning? We're flying over Ephesians. My challenge to you, spend some time this week and get into God's Word. Let the goodness of God's word marinate in your heart. Don't do it so fast and you're in such a hurry. Oh, I got to, no, no, no. Like take some time. Take, take some time to soak it in. And when you do that, you're going to take on some of these qualities that are mind-blowing. It's like holiness. How am I going to ever be like, like imitate God? Are you kidding me, Paul? How do you do that? That's impossible. It's not. You can do it. You just have to spend a little bit of time. Commit your life to Him. Your marriage will get better. Your relationships with your workers will change. Your life, I'm telling you, you'll come back and you'll thank me forever. But it takes a little bit of work. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, Father God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. You're so good to us.
God, we take on, we take on your love unconditionally, no strings attached. God, help us to make sure that the foundation is right, that we understand we are loved no matter what. Period. End of story. Full stop. God, we take on your holiness. And God, even when we mess up, God, we run away from greed. We run away from, from filthy language. We, we run away from sexual immorality, God. And Lord, we can do this through you. God, we take on your light. You teach us that we are the light of the world. God, you are the light of the world. And so you're our hope. You're our everything. We live, it seems like we live in a dark world, but God, you're the light of our world. So help us, help us to be that for the sake of others, for the sake of our families. We love you. We dedicate this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may stand. Listen, I'm going to spend some time praying with my wife. I don't know where you're at spiritually, but if you want to come down, and this is just carpet and a few steps. We don't do it that often. But if you want to come down and just pray for your kids, for your spouse, for a special need, I want you to know it's okay. It's okay to do that. So you come and just pour your heart out to God, okay, as we sing this song.